The reading this morning is taken from Deuteronomy, chapter 26, verses 1 to 15, and can be found in the Pew Bibles on page 203. Deuteronomy 26, 1 to 15. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, My father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. When you have finished setting aside a tenth of all your produce in the third year, the year of the tithe, you shall give it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, so that they may eat in your towns and be satisfied. Then say to the Lord your God, I have removed from my house the sacred portion and have given it to the Levite, the foreigner, the fatherless and the widow, according to all you commanded. I have not turned aside from your commands, nor have I forgotten any of them. I have not eaten any of the sacred portion while I was in mourning, nor have I removed any of it while I was unclean, nor have I offered any of it to the dead. I have obeyed the Lord my God. I have done everything you commanded me. Look down from heaven, your holy dwelling place, and bless your people Israel, and the land you have given us, as you promised on oath to our ancestors, a land flowing with milk and honey. The Lord your God commands you this day to follow these decrees and laws. Carefully observe them with all your heart and with all your soul. This is the word of the Lord. Land was hugely important to the Jewish people that sense of a possession of land. Where we pick up, we are remembering how God's people had been in Egypt, not in their own land, and how God had promised them that he would not only release them from um, slavery and hard work, but would also give them a place 
a physical land that would be theirs, where it would be flowing with milk and honey. And land in the ancient world was important, not just to the Jewish people, but to all people. It set out the boundaries of where your people lived and remained, and you looked after the land that you had. But looking after the land was as important as receiving the land. And when God spoke to his people and said, I'm going to give you this land, there was also a sense in which he was commanding them to to look after it well. If we were to read Leviticus, we would see all sorts of rules and regulations about how to look after the land. I was reading a passage just the other day, and it talked about how the, the farmers had to leave margins around the fields and that those margins when they cropped were for the people who were the widows and the orphans and the poor a sense of being enough for everybody I just find it really interesting if you watch Countryfile now and how we're being encouraged to have margins for wildlife there is nothing new caring for creation has always been there God has always shown us that he's given us a blessing but a responsibility to look after it as well. Adam and Eve, one of the first things that they were asked to do was to till the land and take care of it. Creation has been given as a gift but we need to look after that gift. And 15, 20 years ago when these marks of mission were being drawn up, number five, caring for creation was radical and people couldn't understand why it was being put in what on earth has this got to do with mission mission is about telling people about God and this was the the one that people really struggled with why it was there and it was the one that churches found it hardest to engage with because they didn't see it as being part of church life now society has moved on in those last years as well And there is so much currently in the media and on documentaries on television about the damage that has been caused to creation. That it's no longer just a Christian call, it's a worldwide call. We need to care for our land. So how good that the church has been saying this before it's been a hot story in the news. And actually we've got something to speak into the world that is grieving the situation that we find ourselves in. The despair that you read about as people have been watching um, the programmes about plastic. And you read about the grief and the, the agony when the reality of what's been happening hits home and people see it, perhaps for the first time, and realise what this has meant. So praise God that supermarkets now charge for bags, so we are encouraged to take our own with us. Praise God that you might not be able to get your free cup of coffee in Waitress unless you've got your own reusable cup with you. In some ways it all seems really small, but it's huge, isn't it? It's about saying we need to take responsibility. We cannot carry on living as we always have done and misusing the gift that God has given us. The media is saying it is, just not calling it a mark of mission. But it's the same message that is coming through. God is very clear in the Old Testament. Here is what I'm asking of you. 
And here are some of the ways. These were the practical ways. This is the, the, the message that Charlie's given us, the practical ways that in today's day and age we can respond to what God is saying. This is what God was saying in their context and what was relevant for them. So some of the things we might think, well, you know, that was for them. What God is saying to us, what is your context? What are the ways in which if we were writing Deuteronomy now, God would be speaking to us? And it isn't difficult to find what he would be saying and to understand the resonance of what we read for an ancient people to what we read for a people alive today. This is a key part of mission because this is witnessing who we are and how we live with what God has given us. And that is a sign for the world as we live that out. I am so delighted that we have a sustainability group because it helps us with this fifth mark of mission. As I said, when these marks of mission were drawn up, number five was the one that churches were saying, we haven't a clue how we're going to tackle that one. Luckily, things have moved on, as I say, and, and charities like Arosha help churches think this through. But we have a sustainability group that what delights me about it is that it's come from people's passion. Jane and Charlie separately have had this passion for some time and have gathered around them others who share that passion. And that's the most powerful way for a church to respond is because it's people saying, I believe in this and this is what I'm doing in my life. Will you join with me? And that's so exciting. So I think we should be aiming for a silver award. In fact, we probably should be thinking about how would we earth would we ever get a gold award? And it might seem, oh my goodness, have I really got to take my reusable cup with me? These are just the ways in which, but it's an ethos that we are saying we care. We care for God's world. We care for his creation. And we understand as Christians that we have a responsibility. And I'm so grateful to this group for bringing it into our mindset, our language, our practical way of working. And just making it so easy that it doesn't feel like a chore. And here we go, I've got to try and work out how to do this. So thank you. If you are involved in any way with that group, thank you so much. Because it's speaking to us all. And I'm really grateful for that. I don't feel I need to say much more about this particular mark of mission because Charlie and Jane have helped us already. And this is an ongoing story. So what I do want to spend you know, the bulk of my sermon is just realising that we've come to the end of a series this is mark number five next week is remembrance we move into advent and then it's christmas and what before we we begin that journey towards christmas i'd like us just to just to stop and to take breath and to recognize where we've come over the last it's not just five weeks but roughly five sessions on looking at the marks of mission i do believe god has been speaking to us And I do believe that this was a timely series to have, to help us to think more widely about what mission is and to understand how we can respond and be more outward looking in everything that we do. Ministry and mission go hand in hand. And in many ways, everything we do could come under the banner mission. But firstly, we need to understand that 
And we need to you know, realise what that then looks like in practical outworkings. So this series has been important for us as a whole church. It's been important to help us understand how the mission team is working. The mission team has been spending the last two to three years looking at marks of mission, trying to understand what does that mean for us as we support mission partners. What do those marks mean? And we are able to see how our mission partners in different ways are covering most of those marks of mission, some of them, all of them in their work, some of them aspects of them. But we are able to gauge, are we covering all the five marks of mission through the support that we are giving to mission partners? And if we were to think that there was a gap, that would influence where we would be looking for another mission partner. So the mission team is thinking seriously about being strategic in how we support mission partnerships. We have natural connections with people, which is wonderful, but we also want to make sure that we've got that strategic head on as well and seeing, are these five marks of mission being covered through our outward giving support and working with other people? And it's a joy to say, yes, it is. And sometime we might show you a chart that shows where it all fits in together. So this series has helped us all be on that same page. So when the mission team speaks about the five marks of mission, we all understand them. So that's one reason why it's been really good to do this. But it's more than that. It's so much more than saying that this is one team of people who have got a a task to, to think about mission. Because mission is important to every single one of us. Because God has called us all to do the work of Jesus. By virtue of being a Christian, we are part of God's work, and God's work is mission. God is doing the work. He is going ahead of us and is alive in the world today. And we need to work out what he's doing, where he is, and how we can join with him in doing his work. So again, having a clearer picture of what mission can look like helps us on that journey. It helps us think, what am I seeing? And maybe making connections and thinking, oh yeah, I'm aware of this. Maybe God is doing that. Therefore, what is God saying to me, to us, as we respond? And I think these five marks of mission help us to, to have a bigger picture, but also to offer balance. Are we focusing on one aspect of church life more than another? The PCC can use that to help as well as we think about priorities. If all we concentrate on is social justice, there are four other things that are missing. And so in the life of the church, are we getting the right balance? And that's something that that we can all be involved in. I think also these five marks of mission give us challenge. I love challenge. I hate complacency. And I love challenge. And something that says, yes, but there's more. It's something that always gets me going. And I think this series has done that for me. It just has built up that excitement of thinking, yes, but where is there more? What else could we, do, we be doing? Not as a burden, but as a joy of thinking, my goodness me, God is at work. Yeah, isn't that fantastic? Sometimes that means, what do we stop doing? But the challenge of what is God saying to us 
is so exciting. I loved meeting with home groups um, much earlier on in the term where we were thinking about an outward focus of home groups and, and the response from that has been so exciting. Groups coming back to me saying we've gone away and thought about that and actually we're wondering about this. And some really creative ideas, and again, we need to share those in one of our main services so that we share these ideas together of thinking, yes, this is what we could be doing. Here's a practical way, an exciting way, a creative way in which we can take this idea of mission, outward-looking focus, and make it practical in our lives. Put simply, mission is joining in what God is doing. We don't need to do it ourselves. We don't need to reinvent the wheel. God is at work. He is at work in our world and we join with what he is doing. I want us to watch a video now. If, you want, if, if you've been really intrigued about mission and want to look up more on this, Church Mission Society has produced loads of little video clips. I spent some time this week just looking through some of them that are just brilliant. They're really good. Helping think much more creatively about what mission is. If you look on Vimeo, there's a whole um, folder of them. So if you just want to spend half an hour just looking at some two-minute clips, really worthwhile. I'm going to show us one of them. This is uh, a Kenyan uh, Christian who works with CMS, and he's just giving some insight into how he understands mission in its widest sense. Thank you. Mission is joining in with what God is doing in a community and becoming a part of that. Mission is obedient, listening to what God would like for his people, but also listening to what the people are saying about themselves and figuring out how to be God's witness, to answer their questions and to allow those people to also answer some of your own questions. One of the things that we've done as, as a church, uh, first of all, is uh, when we go into a place, we'll ask, okay, what are other Christians already doing? And that sometimes will give us an answer to you know, what the pulse of, of Christians there is. And then we ask ourselves, what is missing? And we're probably not at a very good place to know what's missing, but the people there can tell us what's missing. And sometimes it may not be evident what is missing. It may require sitting with them, eating with them, and not doing really anything, just just being in relationship with them. And what we found in that is that uh, God will speak, uh, will speak, through, through the community, you speak through the people. And you'll also speak to us. I do believe that the Holy Spirit is at work, at work uh, in, our, in our hearts and just bringing a sense of understanding and, and discernment as we, uh, as we spend time together with people. One of the powerful things about Christianity is that I can be a Christian and a follower of Christ but, and someone else can be a Christian, a follower of Christ. We can be in such a different context. So my context in Africa, uh, in my country, it is 86% Christian. That is to say, many people subscribe to one denomination of, of Christianity or, or another. It is very vibrant. It is 
the, the aesthetic is different, the colors <laughs> are different, uh, the music is, is loud, uh, the, the worship and the liturgy will involve a lot of interaction and moments, what would be moments for reflection, pause and reflection here usually would be moments of singing and dancing. We have as many moments of singing and dancing as you have for pause and reflect uh, over here. But I think what I found as uh, striking similarities is that over here, as back at home, I found people who are very keen to be obedient and to be in relationship with Christ. And that, for me, I think has been a, a wonderful thing. The other similarity is that I've seen people eager to follow Christ in the midst of a lot of brokenness. And our society in Africa has points of brokenness in it. Some of them are obvious, some of them are not. But as I've spent some time here, I've also seen points of brokenness here as well. And some of them are obvious, some of them are not. That could stand alone, and there's a follow-up one to that as well. Somebody coming and sharing how they understand mission from their context, speaking to us. I just find that really powerful. And there's a few, couple of things that just really struck me as I watched that. He was saying that we can find out what to do by listening to God and seeing what he is doing. It's great just to say that, and I can say that here, but what on earth does that look like? How on earth do we hear God and see what he is doing. And I think that's a challenge for us as a church in how we pray and worship. I love his sense of saying that uh, moments of quiet and reflection in the UK will be contrasted with moments of singing and dancing. Maybe we need to sing and dance a whole lot more. Maybe the new year will bring singing and dancing. But as we worship, worship is our whole life. But on a Sunday, worship is about our liturgy and about our singing And singing is not just singing a hymn and sitting down again. It's meeting God. So how within our sung worship are we finding space where we actually connect with God? That the words of the songs that we are singing resonate with our heart and we ache with God for a broken world. And we come to that point of sitting with him and crying out and saying, show me, Lord, what you would do. That's what singing is about, as much as enjoying the words that we're singing in the tune. It's about our hearts connecting with God's hearts. That's really hard, because we all like to worship in different ways. But actually, that is what it's about. That whatever we are singing, it's about our heart connecting with God's heart. And are we worshipping in that way? It's about how we pray. Openness of prayer space to pray with moments of quiet so that God can speak to us as well as moments of joining with him. It's about asking questions. Home groups are a great place for that because the answers aren't always obvious. But actually raising the question and talking about it maybe over several weeks will sometimes allow clarity and space for God to come in with some insight are we giving enough space to actually hear God and to see what he is doing I want us to carry on with this journey 
this series might end, but actually the, the lessons and the challenges that have been given us need to spark us for where we're going next. Secondly, how do we live in relationship with those around us? I loved what he was saying about, you know, God will show us. Just be with the people in the community. Not necessarily doing, just being. How often do churches think we have to have a program to meet our community? And sometimes we do need a structure. But often it's about just being with people. Chatterbox is a wonderful example of that. There is no hidden agenda with Chatterbox. People are welcomed in for who they are. They're loved for who they are. And if as a result of that they want to travel further, we will help them do that. But they are welcomed in whether or not they want to travel with us. Whether or not they agree with who we are. And I love the fact that there are conversations at Chatterbox of just being there alongside somebody and caring for them. I, I can't often go. Um, Thursdays, I'm sometimes here, sometimes I have other things. But when I do go to Chatterbox, what people say to me, because I'm a little bit of an outsider going in, they'll say, we love this group because actually people care for us. And that's what it's about. We've talked about Chatterbox expanding and we'd love more people to come and just be. You don't have to do. Just be. Have a cup of tea with a mum who hasn't slept all night and who's saying, is it always like this? And actually just supporting them and perhaps holding their baby while they can go and have a bit of a, a cup of tea and a piece of cake. It doesn't have to be more difficult than that. And the joy of seeing many of our Chatterbox families now coming along to our 1045 service. Again, the looseness of that 1045 service and the flexibility that says, come as you are. Don't come and feel that you've got to be put into a box. But come and we will meet you where you are. And we will create a space where you can begin to learn who we are. And more importantly, you can begin to learn who God is. What other opportunities do we have of actually just being with our community? I think that's something in 2019 we need to be thinking about more and more. And that will then make us think about how we need to welcome What does it look like to be a welcoming church? Genuinely to welcome in. Do we need to adapt? That's challenging because actually we we quite like who we are. And we think, you know, we might have this idea we're a very welcoming church. And in many ways we are. But what does true welcome mean to those around us? What does hospitality genuinely look like? What do our services and the way that we meet together, how could we be a little bit more flexible so that those who do come in feel they belong immediately? They don't have to change in order to fit in with who we are. These are big, big questions, but this series has made me think about them. And the final point he raised was about the points of brokenness. How very often it's in those points of brokenness that God comes. And most of those points of brokenness are hidden because we are not very good at being vulnerable and acknowledging our brokenness. And yet, they are the places, if we could be honest about our brokenness, we immediately become a more welcoming place for those who are broken to come in because they don't feel they need to put on their Sunday best and a smile and everything's fine because it's not for us. So why do we create an environment where it looks as if that's what it needs to be? 
So how can we become more vulnerable and acknowledge our brokenness? I was really pleased that he said in Africa it's the same. We assume that in Africa it's, it's obvious and brokenness is, is out there. But it's as, as hidden as it is here. And it's as obvious as it is here too. We're no different. Sometimes we're aware of brokenness, but the vast majority of the time it's hidden. But Jesus came because we're broken. Those who are well don't need the doctor. We all need Jesus because we are all broken. And if that's the mark of who we are, what might that look like as we consider an outward-looking perspective? So I'm leaving you not with an end, but with a beginning. Because God is speaking. I firmly believe it. God is speaking. And together, he will speak to all of us. And step by step, I think this series will have a major impact on the coming months and years of who we are. Amen.